Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Jason Harmon, and got Mr. Matt Cameron with me today. He's co-hosting, helping me out, and Mr. Dan Gibbs, our Black Bear program leader for Tennessee. Uh, thank you all for being here. We are live on location in Gallenberg, so this is pretty cool. We're not in Studio B today, and um, I like getting out whenever I can. And thanks for letting us come to your all's area. We'll do it more often. Yeah, uh, Matt, he's a Region 4 information specialist, and he does a lot of work out here uh, keeping the public informed, and and uh, we're going to do more shows with him. He's going to help me co-host more, and we're going to be out here in this area. And uh, Today we're going to be talking about bear hunting. Um, uh, we talked about uh, you know being bear wise and, and just bears in general a few weeks ago and, and today we're going to be talking about bear hunting and get uh, all the details on that and uh, you know what all is involved with bear hunting so first Dan's going to give us a little history um, okay. we've been bear hunting in Tennessee for quite a while and I know I think we stopped at some point uh, closed down the season um, and then we brought it back uh, brought it back so anyway give us a brief history on how bear hunting has gone to Tennessee. So if you go back into um, the records that we have, we have records back into the 50s of bear harvest and typically it was in the teens, sometimes 20, 30 bears and then in the late 60s, um, the harvest, most of the harvest was going to be in either uh, what we called Teleco, which was going to be uh, Monroe County and also that included Polk uh, County and you know we're getting down to just a few bears a year. So in 1970, uh, the agency at the time, which was Game and Fish, closed uh, the bear season for three years and then uh, started having some significant meetings with uh, adjacent states, uh, uh, primarily of Georgia and North Carolina at the time. Uh, and it was called the Tri-State Bear, Tri bear Study. And it was a pretty mm -hmm. significant uh, thing for bears in, in this part of the world because there were some uh, issues identified. Number one was law enforcement issue and, and all the illegal hunting that was going on. So each state ramped up their uh, their law enforcement and working the bears, and that was definitely a big deal. Number two was uh, establishment of bear reserves and trying to have a core population that was protected. So if you did have a year where you had a lot of movement of bears and you did uh, have an over harvest, you still had a, a core population. And that's pretty significant because even up till the last few years, and we'll talk about this more in a few minutes, getting a good handle on your bear population, the science just wasn't there to, to be able to know exactly how many animals you had. Uh, so it was good to have that safety net of the bear reserves. Mm. And then the third thing was the timing of the hunts. And, and it, we learned if you had later hunts in December, uh, usually your females would go to den uh, in late November, early December. So if you were hunting later in the year, you're keying your hunting uh, on uh, your harvest on your male bears versus your female bears, which protected them and gave them a, uh, more opportunity to uh, reproduce and have cubs. And those three things really made a difference. And, uh, you know, now we're averaging about 450 bears a year. Uh, I expect and the population is still growing. The population is growing. Uh, now, you know, the conversation is uh, what can we do to harvest more bears? Uh, if we could, uh, a 600 bear harvest would be, uh, no problem for our population. I, you know, we just have we've had conversations about, you know, are our hunters the way the seasons are structured right now capable of killing that many because of the timing mm -hmm. and, and things like that. 
uh, number of days. So that's one thing that we've been working on is some things to uh, give us some better data and, and how to develop those hunts. Let me chime in here a second. Yeah. Um, so the bear reserves have done so well that we actually have problems in bear reserves and with where they're private lands. And we're actually right. having a special hunt this year. Do you care to talk about that special hunt, tell people how it's going to go? Right. You know, one thing, uh, without jumping let me not jumping ahead just yet, I mentioned the uh, population study that we're doing. And uh, Tennessee has partnered with uh, North Carolina and South Carolina and Georgia, and we've been doing a, a DNA study to uh, – get some density estimates for the whole southern Appalachians. And part of that has been to give us an idea of how many bears we actually have. That will be a piece of data that we really never had before, and it will be allow us to do some now it's just things. a guesstimate. We say, what, yeah. 6,500, 7,000 yeah, Most of your bear estimates are based on, it's called reconstruction. You use what you kill in your harvest. But, uh, you know, a lot of bears aren't harvestable due to where they're at, their habits, you know, if they're way up in the mountains and things like that. So... We've always believed it's going to be higher than those numbers, but mm -hmm. to have a figure to be able to, to make those arguments is going to be nice. But uh, So once we get those numbers, then we'll be uh, evaluating how we're going to develop our seasons in the future and if, where we're going to hunt, uh, how the bear reserves fall into that. But we, we have got some significant issues in the bear reserves. Uh, when those bear reserves were developed, like in Johnson County, you know, we talk about now Johnson County has been discovered. And... A lot more people have moved to Johnson County, and there's more people that live in those bear reserves. So things that really weren't a big deal before now are because of the number of people living there. So uh, uh, this year we've uh, opened up two of the bear reserves to a three-day hunt each just to uh, evaluate what kind of harvest we're going to have. It's only on private land. Um, so hunters have to have permission from the landowner before they, they, they go in there. They have to have permission from the landowner before they go in there and hunt those bears. Mm -hmm. And the Forest Service is open to uh, expanding that to the Forest Service in the future, but they are waiting on those numbers from that uh, estimate, which uh, they'll feel more comfortable with that. And this hunt, uh, to ensure that we don't over-harvest, basically we are utilizing uh, uh, some uh, – we looked at how many bears were harvesting per square mile uh, on private land and on public land within the county, and we set quotas based on that. So uh, if we harvest – uh, a certain number of bears in those reserves earlier than the three days, and we're going to close it early just to ensure that we don't go in there and have, you know, a, a lot of bears harvested that we don't, harvest, don't want to be harvested at this time. And all those bears, if a hunter takes one, has to physically check it in at a checking station. Yeah. They cannot check them in on the, the app. That is correct. correct. And this year we are opening that up for people to be able to utilize the app to check in bears except for this hunt. And this hunt and you can get in the hunting guide and see the location for those, but they will have to bring those bears to a physical check station so we can make sure we're getting an accurate count of how many are being harvested and also get some uh, biological data off those animals. So to, to clarify, and I'll, I'll shut up here a second. Oh, you're good. But, uh, <laughs> uh, in the past, a hunter, if he harvested a black bear, was not allowed to check it in on the app correct. during the regular season. <laughs> but this year, new law says you can do that, right. correct? Right, and we're going to okay. try that out uh, little concerned about getting the teeth. Uh, you know, we use the teeth to age the bear, and they have to be uh, sectioned. It's almost like a tree. You section it, stain it, and they count the rings. So uh, we're really uh, encouraging people to please submit those teeth. Uh, you look at our hunting guide, look on our website, and it show you how to pull the tooth. Uh, we even have uh, uh, this, this is an envelope we made for our officers to carry around. But uh, you, you can see we're also going to start taking measurements off the bear, a length measurement and a girth measurement, and we can use these two measurements to get a pretty good idea 
of how much the bear weighs. Uh, weighing a bear is a pretty tough thing, uh, especially if people have it strapped to ATV or something. Uh, getting it out and getting it on scales, uh, the floor scales are hard to handle. Uh, so uh, this estimate gives us a pretty good idea of, of what they're weighing without having to go through all that. So we really appreciate hunters taking the time to um, to give us those teeth. Um, it's well, very important. And the information for that, tmwildlife.org, or if you've got one of our hunting guides, you can open up to page 37. But on our website, uh, the hunting guide's there. It's always up to date. We make sure it is the most current uh, information and uh, all the information on how to do that. Uh, real quick, can you explain how, how do you extract that? I mean, just to yeah, and there's, there's a link probably on hard here. to talk about, but well, no, easier to show. There's a link on here, too, that Matt and I put together a few years ago. We're actually video uh, showing how to take that tooth. But basically, yes. it's a premolar. It's going to be uh, just behind the, the canine. And the, the thing where people usually mess up is they try to reach in there with a pair of wire pliers and just grab that tooth and pull it. And you're probably going to break it if you do that. you got to reach down there and take a, a, usually a, a good knife, a hunting knife or something, and kind of get down in there and kind of pry it a little bit mm -hmm. and use that uh, that canine for leverage to kind of break it loose, for lack of a better word. It's still going to stay in there, but once you feel it come out of that socket, then you can take the pliers and pull it out and cut cut the, the flesh at that point and okay. just throw it in the envelope. And, and is there some incentive us. for doing this this year? You yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this a try, but we decided this year we're going to see if a, if a, a hat would uh, encourage people to send it in. So we've got a, a hat we're trying to design. I'm not going to say what that is it's yet. It's cool. Just in I case want one. something goes bad and we can't do it, but we've got a pretty good design that we're wanting to get, uh, put out there. So anyone that sends a tooth. Does it have to be a bear's tooth? It has to be a bear's tooth. <laughs> okay, I'm, sorry. I'm just making sure. And, uh, and uh, But one thing that's very important, uh, one of the – the, uh, I guess the drawbacks of our real system is it's people don't go in and routinely change their address when they move. So a lot of those addresses on our system are not good addresses. And if a hunter just puts in their ID number and doesn't put an address on that form mm -hmm. uh, that's a good address, I can't guarantee they're going to get that hat. Uh, so make sure that that's filled out and it's legible. And those won't be coming out. You know, we're not going to trade you a hat for a tooth. We've got to figure out how many we need to order and things like that. So that'll be a springtime project where we get those out. Great. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's look at the hunting guide. It's on uh, page 36. That's uh, where bear hunting stuff starts. And let's uh, let's highlight some of the uh, the zones. Uh, okay. This, uh, I don't know if it has been two or three years ago, we opened up a few more zones. and Yeah, we, we kind of redid the, the bear uh, seasons three or four years ago. And, uh, you know, our zones one, two, and three are what we call our traditional uh, zones. Uh, that's going to be your your uh, counties that border North Carolina, okay. uh, and, and most of it's Cherokee National Forest, and they're divided out by uh, basically differences in uh, uh, you know the area, the the way the national forest is broken up. On the north end, the national forest is very fragmented, a lot of private property. Within the national forest, you get on the South Cherokee, and it's almost completely uh, one unit of land. So. Uh, that has a lot of difference in um, how the bears move and the accessibility of the bears and timing. Uh, the South Cherokee also has some traditional party hunts um, mm. that are a little bit different. That that's the only place we have those. And then you get into Severe and Blunt County and the south end of Cock County. Uh, the national park is a big part of that zone, and obviously there's no hunting in there. So timing on those hunts is really critical to uh, take advantage of when bears are not in the park. Uh, because that's what that's when they'll be harvestable, and then you have the transitional zone, which borders all those counties in 
that zone is there primarily just to give uh, landowners some relief if there's some nuisance issues going on in the late summer, early fall. It's archery season. We haven't had a lot of bears harvested there, but it does give us an idea of where we're seeing more more bears. Like last year, we had uh, three harvested in Hawkins County, and that kind of confirms, you know, reports that we're getting uh, right. for bears. And then uh, our last zone is the uh, plateau zone four, which is the northern plateau, and that's our newest uh, population of bears. And the core of that population is going to be the Big South Fork. And we did uh, the density estimate there in 2013, and we had. Uh, a little over 200 bears estimated to be on the Tennessee side. Uh, North uh, Kentucky did the same thing a few years earlier, and their their density estimates weren't anywhere near what ours were. So we felt comfortable with opening up some archery opportunity cool. in that zone. And the Big South Fork is not open to that, so it's kind of serving as our bear reserve right now mm-hmm. for that hunt. And uh, in 2019, we'll be going back in and uh, reproducing that survey to see what kind of uh, – growth we've had or if, it, if this hunt has been enough to stabilize that, that I, but i don't I believe rem- it has it's it's still growing I remember it seeing on, on social media when we opened up that last zone that zone four and folks were like thank you for doing this thank you for doing this right you know first bear taking off this area and, and right and you know and it, it's you know we're going to see more of that people are asking us when are you going to open up this county to transitional and you know our transitional zone was basically uh the key there is pretty much it it all in all those cases except for uh for Granger, uh, it's a county that's bordering a county that's open. Hmm. And then, you know, uh, Hancock is there because of Virginia, a lot of bears in that Virginia area. Okay. And then uh, uh, the same thing down here with uh, uh, Georgia, uh, you know, bears in North Georgia. So those counties are really uh, counties where, you know, we expect to see bears on a fairly regular basis in years of uh, low mass. Uh, and as those Ideally, either those transitional zones will turn into another hunt unit, like a unit five, or they'll be absorbed into one of the existing units as we move westward with our hunting and, and, and see these areas expand. Now, um, remember, all this is in your hunting guide, page 36, the dates, uh, the type of uh, weapon allowed, whether dogs are allowed or not. Um, I'm new to, well, I've never been bear hunting. So I, I, so people watching at home maybe never never been and they hear party hunt, and they hear, you know, is, is it like a dog deer hunt? hunt dog steel hunt, hunt, steel hunt. Explain mm-hmm. and help them understand what's the difference between a party hunt, how do you get into the party, and is right. there music, or what's all involved in the party? <laughs> the, par- the party hunt is really, I mean, it would take an entire show to explain that, but it, it goes way back, and it, it goes back to the time when we had hunting clubs were a lot bigger deal for okay. us and you, and you had groups of hunters that had clubs that met every week and they got together and there's still and clubs out there they're right? still there but there's not many okay. but these clubs would want to go on a bear hunt but they weren't houndsmen so the agency developed a system where they could go and get drawn for a hunt and they could uh, add on some houndsmen people that had dogs to come hunt with them and they would utilize their dogs and that's okay. what, why it's called a party hunt so uh, then, but that's a really big deal down in that part of the world, and they really enjoy those. And that party for that two days, they're the only ones that are allowed to be in that area, so they have okay. it all to themselves. And, wow. Uh, so, and so that's, yeah, that's nice for them to be able to do that, and they really enjoy that. But we haven't, you never had really a need for that anywhere else. But mm-hmm. uh, hound, hunting uh, makes up 90% or better of our harvest. It's a very important part of our bear hunting uh, tradition, and it's uh, – you know, we rely on it heavily to harvest number of bears we need because, uh, you know, if you get into some areas that you don't have the mountainous 
areas and a lot of private land, you can do pretty well with still hunting and, and get a, a decent harvest. But when you're getting into hundreds of thousands of acres of national forest and uh, the terrain, you're gonna have, you got to utilize those hounds. They can, can get to those bears and get right. them moving. And even even with hounds, there's bears that we talk about. There's just certain portions of your population that's just not going to be accessible to hunting. You know, we'll have a bear. Uh, last year, we had a bear show up in Maryville, uh, and uh, the guys, the officers trapped her, and uh, uh, she was tagged, and that bear was tagged when I was in college wow. at UT over 20 years ago. That bear was tagged, and had been in the Smokies that long, and she just got up in deep in the Smokies and lived her life there, and, you know, no one ever saw anything over again until, you know, had a poor mass crop, and she got to moving looking for food, and and showed up. So there's a large percentage of bears that are like that. They get out there, and you're never going to be able to get to them with, with hunting, even with hounds. Speaking of mast, what are you seeing on acorns this year and hickory nuts? It's looking pretty good from what I've seen. I always kind of gauge. My first gauge is that big oak tree at the office that we all stumble over. Yeah, trip and fall. If, <laughs> if we're, if we're walking on marbles. Uh, but yeah. I've been looking at that tree, and it looks like there's quite a few acorns in there. I got uh, a chestnut oak at the house that's got quite a few, few – uh, nuts on it so uh that's a good thing know, we're starting for wildlife and you know a lot of it's elevation based too you know you get up at the higher elevations to see what's up there you know you really want to see good mass production at your higher elevations mm. it keeps the bears Keep from coming high. down this way to and out of to trouble food right yeah all right um speaking of let's back up to the reserves you were talking about the reserved area reserves areas i don't i'm not familiar with with where those are and, and what the boundaries are for those. So explain right. a reserve. Well, we've got uh, six bear reserves, and if you include uh, if you conclude the national park in Big South Fork, then it would be eight bear reserves. But they were developed years ago when usually when they began to open a new area, like when Carter and Sullivan and Johnson County were first going to be open to bear hunting. They went in and created these bear reserves to once again, as we mentioned earlier, they're designed to have a core population that's protected. Genius. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, and they're, they're, there's roads, highways, state okay. line, whatever it may be. Uh, we have our Kettlefoot Bear Reserve, which is going to be in Johnson and Carter, or Johnson and Sullivan County uh, in the Shady Valley area. Then okay. you've got uh, Laurel Fork, which is in Carter County, and butts up against North Carolina. Uh, Andrew Johnson is in the Green Cock County, butts against North Carolina. And then the fourth one up that way would be Unicoi, which is in Unicoi and Green County. And it also butts up against North Carolina. So three... Uh, those four butt up against North Carolina. Then you get down into uh, Monroe County, you had the Teleco and the Coe Bear Reserves. Uh, and Monroe's Teleco and Coe's in, in Polk County. Okay. And once again, those reserves are against state lines. And then, of course, North Carolina has their reserves uh, as well. And, you know, that's one thing that was important about our bear survey is including North Carolina and Georgia because bears that are in Tennessee today could be in North Carolina tomorrow and mm-hmm. vice versa. So it truly is a a population that's you know moves from state to state so it was important for us to, to work together to get those get those numbers so and would you say that virginia and north carolina probably have more bears than we do absolutely absolutely they, they kill a bunch of bears and still yeah. have a bunch so and when you look at a, t- a topo map it's pretty obviously why even though we've got our mountains and we got a lot of them when you start running up the interstate and you get into green county especially in Washington County, there's not a whole lot of Cherokee National Forest in those two counties, and it expands out when you get back up to Johnson and Carter and down Monroe and Pope. But when you look at North Carolina, how much more 
you know, what we consider quality habitat they have for bears. And then they also have their coastal population as well. Mm -hmm. They're big on the coast too, right? That's a whole other issue, you know, coastal bears, uh, uh, which you can get into North Carolina on that coast and also uh, the south coast in Louisiana and places like that. So so they have a lot of bears in North Carolina. Virginia considers their uh, state 100% occupied. Uh, 100%. So... Uh, so there's a lot of bears in you know, West Virginia, and, and we're going to continue to see the number in Tennessee go up. I don't know that we'll ever get to where those states are. Probably don't want to be don't there. Don't want to be there, I don't uh, think. Yeah, from a conflict issue, uh, you know, we, we don't want to be there. But, you know, our bear population is growing in Tennessee, moving west, and, and we're going to – we're not moving bears to encourage that by translocating bears to give it a boost, but we're we're not trying to stop it. Either. You know, we'll let Mother Nature do her thing, and if bears – uh, take hold and, and do well in another place, then we'll, we'll welcome that. And mm-hmm. it comes with its issues. Uh, it comes with responsibility for the folks of the state that live there. But, uh, sure. you know, overall, the state of Tennessee and the people who live here overwhelmingly support bears. We've done surveys to show that. And uh, they support bear hunting as well. So. Yeah. Out of all the animals that we manage, I can't think of any other bear that captures the hearts and the minds, or any other animal that captures the hearts and the minds of people than a black bear. It right. seems like everyone from hunters to non-hunters to anti-hunters, everyone loves bears in some capacity. So it seems like the decisions we make affect pretty much everyone. Most people, right. I don't care about a largemouth bass or a white-tailed deer yeah. or whatever, but a bear, we all love them. Right. You know, and people, like I said, they support hunting as long as they know that the agency is keeping an eye on the animals and doing a good job of making sure we're not over-harvesting. And that's what this whole project we've been doing the last two years is about, to ensure that we are protecting the resource for the for the state. It's a huge success story. If you go back, what, to the early um, 20th century when there were hardly any bears because of the, right. what, the, the chestnut blight yeah. and uh, land use changes, over-harvesting. Mm-hmm. And you went through that down period that you talked right. about when they only killed a few a year, and now we've got them, you know, coming out our ears. So right. it is a great success story right. if you look at it overall. Yeah. Um, speaking of harvest, and not to jump around too much, but it looks like you're you're, you're allowed one bear right. a year. Right. Okay. And you know, and that's something we actually the the bear reserve hunt is going to be what we, a lot of people hunters would we know as a bonus bear. Okay. So it will not count towards that, and you know that's another tool that we'll be looking at and we actually was talking with someone about that today about you know how do you if, if you got an area where you don't you're not reaching your harvest goals how can you get people down there to that i mean if we wanted to kill more bears say in zone three how can we get people from zone two or one to go to zone three and hunt because a lot of people it's kind of territorial and they kind of stick to their own area and don't move around a lot but if in the future we decide we need to get people down there you know additional bear out of that zone may encourage people to move mm-hmm. around and it may be worth their while that we then go down there and take another bear and not count towards their their one bear limit. So there's a lot of tools in the box there that we haven't utilized yet and we'll be taking a look at all of that as we move forward once we get this, this population data in. And, and clear up one thing for people when we brought up this bear reserve hunt, can you make it clear that it's because of great nuisance issues in certain private areas of those yeah, and, reserves and, and that's why we're having it you know it's i guess that's the best way to put it you know we're this is kind of a stop gap to give some folks some relief till we make a determination about what our long-term plans are for those bear reserves without taking too many at without one taking time. too many at one time you know like i said the public wants us to ensure that we're doing a good job and we're not you know we're not over harvesting and we want to make sure that we 
everything we're doing is with science and with data. So we're it's, it's just a small easing our way it's, into it's it. Easing, easing our way into mm -hmm. it. Uh, we're letting folks know that we are taking it seriously. We know there's an issue that needs to be addressed. But as an agency, we have to be able to back up what we recommend for long-term mm. stuff, and that's that's what we're doing. It's and been we well thought through. Yeah, and, and we can't we can't rush that. I mean, North Carolina, we did our work last summer, but it's such a huge project, and University of Tennessee is heading that up. It just wasn't feasible for them to be able to do the all four states in one year. So they did North Carolina this year, and all that data has to be analyzed. DNA analyzation is not something that you can just snap your fingers and it's done. Mm -hmm. It takes time. So... Uh, so hopefully by our next season setting process, which will be 2020, we'll be working on it uh, in 2020, yes. Uh, we'll have all that data ready to roll and, and make some recommendations for that, that 2020 season. Because we're, we're setting regulations every two years now. That's it's correct. Every year, right? That's correct. I'm off the public knows that and understands right. that. And fishing one year and then hunting the next? Yes. Is that how it works? Yeah. We're fishing is uh, one of this next year will be a single year uh, setting time, and then they'll start the two-year uh, rotation, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and we're going to run out of time, but back to hunting. Say if you're new to hunting, um, is it just like deer? There's no baiting for, for bears, correct? No. And then you say party hunt, but what if somebody wants to go, say me and you want to go together? Can we go together? If I've harvested a bear already, can I go with you? Yes, you can. And okay. You know, I get a lot of calls from Middle Tennessee, and I always I feel bad because I feel like I'm talking people out of going hunting. Uh -huh. But it's, it's very difficult to just – Drive up to East Tennessee, right. park your car at a parking area on North Cherokee or South Cherokee and go out and harvest a bear. I mean, uh, they're hard to pattern. Like I said, you know, 90% more of them are harvested uh, with the use of hounds. Mm -hmm. On public land, it's almost 100% are harvested with the use of hounds. Very few are harvested with steel hunting. Most of the steel hunting is coming off private property where people are seeing bears at the same time on a regular basis and they're they're able to to take them but right. uh but you know there's pretty high demand for hunting on private bear hunting on private property and we first started that archery hunt uh it was designed for uh deer hunters and some incidental take hoping that they would take a few bears that they happen to see while they were deer hunting but now we're seeing more and more people that are actually uh, they're targeting bears for that hunt rather than deer and uh, so uh finding a place to just go hunt you know we just don't have a list of places that people can go. So I'd encourage folks if they're interested in bear hunting, try to make some contacts in counties that have bears and uh, and look for some private property. That's going to be your best bet. Okay, awesome. Well, this has all been great information. Uh, if you've never been bear hunting or want to get into bear hunting, check your hunting guide. Uh, Make sure you read up on those regulations right. and all those dates and what you can and can't do. Yeah, there, there's also some minimum weights in uh, shooting cubs, uh, females with cubs next to them and things like that that you okay. need to be aware of, and it's all in the hunting guide. Yeah. So. Good point. Awesome. And then if, you, if you're if you a regular bear hunter and, and you harvest this year, make sure you uh, visit our website and find that information on how to check one in, how to uh, extract that tooth and do those measurements, and we really appreciate all that. And then you get you a free hat yep. from what I hear. We'll see what happens. But uh, I appreciate y'all for being with us, and thanks for helping us out, Matt, and Heck yeah. helping me co-host. Thank and you for having me. I've enjoyed our visit here in Gatlinburg. It's, it's fair a, enough. It's a great view. It's time for dinner, I think. Yes. <laughs> like a bear now. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching this edition of Tennessee Wildcast, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.